our Bible reading this morning, let us turn to Revelation chapter 20, beginning with verse 10, verse 11, on down through the 8th verse of chapter 21. Reading Revelation 10, Revelation 20, beginning at verse 11. Down to verse 8 of chapter 21. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. He said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. Praise the Lord. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Reading the word of God, may he add his blessings to it. Our Father and our God, we praise thee this morning that thou hast given us a throne of grace to which we can come to find mercy and obtain grace to help in time of need. Lord, we come with fear and trembling this morning. We come trusting Thee to deal mightily and effectually with our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Father, we both know that without the working of Thy Spirit in our midst, nothing will be accomplished. We do pray that the Holy Spirit will fill us, overflow us, and give us Thy precious Word. It will be taken home to the each and every one of our hearts. 
will not be the same individual after today. Our Father, we do pray that you'll deal mightily and effectually in each and every heart. Thank you for each and every one you've sent this way. Our Father, we thank you for the testimony of Mildred in this hour. Our heart has been blessed to converse with her and to know what thou hast wrought in her soul by thy marvelous grace. Continue to uphold her. Continue, Father, to love her and give unto her that which is needful day by day as she waits upon thee in this dire extremity that she's been in for a long time. Give Brother Ram, our Father, that strength that is needed, patience that is needed, and all of this we trust you, trust it in your hands. Our Father, we thank you for what we have heard with our ears this week across the nation. We thank you for what you, we have read with our eyes and what thou art doing with the literature from this place, with the tapes from this place, with the ministry that you've raised up here for thy glory. It is thine. Thou hast kept it to this hour, and we know you will keep it to the end because it's thine. And we pray that you will continue to work effectually, send revival among us. Oh, Lord, come in, come in mighty convicting power is our cry this morning. Come in convicting power. Come in thy grace. Come in the only way that thou canst come to deal with our hearts. Oh, may it be in mercy as we look into thy precious word today. Have mercy upon the lost in our midst. May their hearts be turned to thee. Revive thy work in the midst of the years among thy people. Lord, give us the greatest compassion, a greater concern for the souls of men. Give us a greater desire to see thy name glorified and magnified in seeing sinners come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Our Father, we do pray that you will work and our hearts will be turned toward thee. Praise you for all that thou hast wrought for us in bringing us to this hour. Draw our thoughts in from the world. Oh, my Father, so easy for Satan to take the word and snatch it away. But we do pray that it will fall on good ground, even this morning, to bring forth thirty, sixty, and a hundredfold according to thy will. Our Father, have mercy upon us this morning. We'll give thee the praise and honor and glory. For in Christ's name we ask and pray. Amen. I've entitled my message this morning many titles. One of them could be After Death, Then What? One title could be The Last day. Another title could be The Judgment. Another title could be The Wicked Cast 
and to hell. And of course, I have scriptures for all of this this morning. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 16, our blessed Lord opens up to our hearts what happens to each and every one of us after death. Call this what you will, a true story or a parable or whatever you want to call it. I call it the Word of God, the Word from the lips of our Lord Jesus Christ, both to warn and to encourage and to deal with our hearts in mercy. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of stores and desired to be fed with the crumbs which fall from the rich man's table. Moreover, the the dogs came and licked his stores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels of Abraham's bosom the rich man also died and was buried, and he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeing Lazarus afar off, Lazarus, <coughs> seeing Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. That's the reason I've entitled it, After Death, What Then? Where are we going? Be taken by the angels into the bosom of our God? Or will we lift up our eyes in hell? And then in John 12:48 we have these words. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The same that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. There will be a last day. I read to you in Revelation 20, verse 11, that there will be a judgment for Hebrews 9.27 tells us it is a point that the men wants to die and after this the judgment. And it tells us in verse 11 of Revelation 20, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. I could also, I could also entitle my message, The Wicked Cast into Hell, if we read you the 8th verse of Revelation 21, which reads, But the fearful, and unbelieving, and the abominable, and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars, shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fine brimstone, which is the second death. Have you ever thought much upon this fact, that that which is you, your soul shall live on after death? The word of God says that death does not end at all. Death is only the door, the gateway that leads into eternity. And each one of us are going to spend eternity in either one or two places, either in heaven or in hell. 
for there's no middle way ground. Beloved, if you and I spend eternity in heaven, it will be because we have, by the grace of God, come to repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. We have come to him who is the only door or entrance into heaven. We have come by faith to the Lord Jesus Christ himself and the blood of sprinkling and the blood that speaketh better things than the, the blood of Abel. The scripture is very clear on the fact we must be made a new creation before we can enter heaven. We must come to know our sinnership. We must come to know our desperate need of a Savior. We must come to know that we must be born again from above because heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. And it is in this life only we are prepared for such place. Those outside of Christ here this morning, the Word of God says that you have already prepared yourself for hell because you have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Your whole being is set on going there because you do not have the love of the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. You do not love a righteous God. You do not love his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, whom he sent forth from his bosom to be the Savior of sinners. Every individual outside of Christ, all you love is self. All you love is sin. And you do not want to be brought under the control of God himself. I wonder if the truth was known this morning. God would be pleased to open each and every one of our hearts. I wonder this morning, how many of us are truly living only for God and clothed in his righteousness and we love his son? And I wonder this morning if hearts were open and pray that the Holy Spirit will open it. I wonder if all you live for is self. All you love is self. All you love is sin. All you love is your own way. And if the truth is known and your heart was exposed to yourself this morning, the truth would be known that you do not want to be brought under the control of God himself. If the truth was known, your will is set against God. God's will. And if ever you became, if you, and if, if you will become hardened and fixed in this state, then Proverbs 29.1 would apply to you. Can't quote it. Let me read it. He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck. 
shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. May God search our hearts. In the next world, each one of us will be just as conscious of ourselves. In the next world, each one of us will be just as conscious of our surroundings. In the next world, each one of us will be in full exercise of all of our faculties as we are now. That's exactly what he said in Luke chapter 16, when our Lord was pleased in his mercy, because he gave this in mercy to warn us of what was coming. After death, what then? The heart was fixed, but this man, the rich man, when he died, he lifted up his eyes. He still had his eyes. He was in torment. He still had his feelings. He knew where he was. He knew that he was tormented in the flame. He knew Abraham. <clears throat> he knew Lazarus. And he knew that there was a great gulf fixed between him and heaven that nobody could pass over. And this was the end of it all, no matter how much he begged for mercy, no matter how much he begged for someone to go back and talk to his five brethren, not a prayer was heard. The time of mercy and the time of repentance and the time of grace was over and finished. And here he was. After death, what then? Well, we read to you John 12, 48, that there is to be a last day. That's when the throne of judgment, the white throne judgment will be set up. Think with me now. This world will not remain forever. The bounds of its history, the length of its existence, are define, divinely determined. And when the appointed time has come and the limit of this earth's existence as it is now is reached, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night and the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. 2 Peter 3.10. This last day will be one of judgment. For we are told in Acts 17.31, because God hath appointed a day, that last day, in the which he will judge the world in righteousness for that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. And then according to Revelation 6, 16, and 17, the wicked, the unrighteous, shall cry, Hide me from the face of him that sitteth on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? The day of his wrath is come, after death, then what? 
the last day. And then the judgment. Beloved, then shall all hidden things be brought to light. The righteous shall be vindicated and the unrighteous sentenced. Then shall God's broken law be magnified and his holy justice honored. Then shall all the enemies be put down and God shall <coughs> demonstrate to all the universe and all the inhabitants that he is God and beside him there is none other. Then shall every proud rebel be made to bow in subjection before that name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God's Father. Why don't we think more on these things? After death, what then? The last day. The judgment. And then there's no more hope for the wicked, for they shall be cast into hell. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. According to God's word, this judgment shall be the righteous judgment of God. Who will render to every man according to his deeds. To them who are by patient and con continuance and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality. To them shall be given eternal life. According from Romans 2. But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, unto them shall be given indignation and wrath and tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil of the Jew first and also to the Gentile. Then again, in Romans 1.18, the wrath of God will be revealed from heaven. It will be against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, who hold it and will do nothing with it or about it. You hold the truth in unrighteousness. That is, you will not believe God. You will not trust your ever-dying soul into his hand. You will not repent and leave your sin. You'd rather your way than God's way. You know the truth. You have never bowed to the truth. Are you listening to me? How can I tell? Every time you come up against the truth, you will always side on the side of sin. 
of the pleasures of this world, what what this world holds. You will make excuses for every reason under the sun that you do not read the Word of God, that you do not pray, that you do not seek His faith. And yet you feel that you're going to go on to glory. There are those every time what they have back in their minds to do with their lives. Whenever something comes up that crosses that or they see that they can have this goal, the decision is always against Christ and against holiness and righteousness. It is always with evil and with sin. You can't forever get away with holding the truth in unrighteousness. I warn you this morning, I've prayed all week long for a broken heart I have confessed my sins and cried unto God for mercy. Pray that he let, let me deliver this word in love. But it's a word that needs to be delivered. I make no apologies for what the word of God says. Because if you'll go through it. Hell. Destruction of the wicked. And eternal destruction of them throughout eternity away from the presence of God. It's talked of three times in the Bible over against heaven. Why did God do that? He wanted, he wanted to warn us. He wanted to let us know that he has no desire, he has no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked would turn and hear his voice and call upon his name. I warn you this morning, you who despise the riches of God's goodness. According again from Romans 2. You who despise the riches of God's goodness. You who despise God's forbearance and long suffering with you these many years. That goodness of God that leads you to repentance. You're doing nothing but by your hardness and penitent heart doing nothing but treasuring up wrath against the day of wrath and the revelation of the righteous judgment of God. To me, Romans chapter 2 verse 5 is one of the most heart-searching awful verses of Scripture in the Bible. But after thy hardness an impenitent heart treasures up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. It's coming. Then you want to know, then you ask the question, who shall be there? Well, we are told in Romans 14, we shall all, where it all is inclusive, 
stand before the judgment seat of Christ. In 2 Corinthians 5.10, we fear the same thing, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that which he hath done, whether they be good or whether they be bad. Every man shall be there. The believing children of God will be there as the last test of their faith. Well, that's what Paul meant in first in, in Second Timothy one two one twelve. I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him, watch it, against that day, the day of judgment. The last great test of the truth of a man's salvation in Christ. Will God fail us at that time? Will Christ not acknowledge us at that time? If we're in Christ, he will embrace us and tell us, enter you into the joy of the Lord, into your Father's house, your Father's kingdom, prepared before the foundation of the world for you. But that's the last test. I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day, the day of judgment. The last great test of the truth of a man's salvation in Christ will be then. Beloved, it is at this judgment of the last day that the righteous shall hear from the lips of the Lord Jesus Christ himself Come ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. But this inheritance, oh beloved, listen to me, this inheritance that God has given us in Christ is not based upon any works of righteousness that we have done. It is based upon the work of the blessed Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. It is based upon the substitutionary work of our great Redeemer, who himself loved us and gave himself for us. But on the other hand, as I read to you out of Revelation 21.8, the unrighteous, the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall hear these awful words. Matthew 7:23. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity, for I never knew you. Those words to me have a finality about them from which there is no appeal. When once those words are spoken at the great white throne judgment and the soul and this soul had pleaded his work. He was trying to palm off on God that which he thought would get him to heaven. 
Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? Then will I profess unto you, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Depart. The finality of those words. They had made their appeal, but it did them no good. Because the day of judgment had come. There they stood. They had no appeal. They were before the, they were before the great judge of the universe. God's courts are not like our courts. When that day shall come, he shall not string it out for a reprieve and, reprieve and waiting for another opportunity to go before another judge or before a higher court and then up to the court of the land, the supreme court of the land. There's no appeal from this, for they tried it. Lord, have we not done this? Have we not done that? Lord, what about this? What about this work? What about that work? No appeal from that work, from that at all. The finality of it all. And then those awful words in Matthew, again, chapter 25, in verse 41, we read these words. Then shall he say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And that's where the unrighteous shall spend eternity. Cursed, and everlasting fire, and a place that was prepared for the devil and his angels. And then in verse 46, and these shall go away, talking about the unrighteous, these shall go away into everlasting punishment. We're talking about the righteous, he said, but they, but the righteous shall go away into life eternal. That's the teaching of God's word. May we hear it this morning. Don't lose me now. God laid these words heavy upon my heart for each and every one of us this morning. For our own heart. Cry to God that not a word will be snatched away by Satan. Well, these are momentous words. These are the words of the living God. A poor preacher this week from someplace, I forget where it was, called and said, Would you pray for me? Pray for my son Joe. Said he's 16 years of old, 16 years of age, brought up in my home. Now he's trying to run away from home, 
repudiating the gospel and everything we stand for, everything your home stands for. Would you pray that God will hold you? Then he said, if that doesn't work, he's going to commit suicide. Would you pray for him? We should think upon these things. Certainly we should preach and we should think upon glory. We should preach upon heaven. Think upon heaven. We should meditate upon much of those things that God has prepared for those that love him. That is part of the whole counsel of God. But also we must think and understand that either this is the word of God or it's not. And if it's the word of God, I must abide by it. Because my Lord said, my words are going to judge you in that day. And when the book shall be opened, this book shall be opened. And then what are we going to do? When God has so fervently and preciously and mercifully ordained and laid out before us, the damnation of the unjust and the wicked and laid out before us the ruin of every man outside of Christ. He's also laid down here in no uncertain terms the salvation that he gives to everyone who comes to Christ. The one who is willing to lay down his arms of rebellion and hoist the white flag of surrender. The one who is saying, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. And mean it. Don't you believe what is taught today? That all a man has to do to go to heaven is die. Totally average funeral, and you'll find out real quick. No matter what life kind of life they live, all they have to do is die and go to heaven. Was not the Kennedys preaching into heaven this past week? Of course they were. The whole world. Was not that little shirt-tailed gal, Diana, who ran around the whole world defying everything? Was she not preached into glory because of her good works? Remember, every man in eternity will see himself to be an odious and abominable thing. He will see himself to be contrary to the holy nature of God. If he doesn't see it down here, he shall see it in eternity. Here you may be able to know in part, and most people don't even know that. They do not take time with the scriptures to learn even a part. Paul said, <clears throat> I have known in part. Not until we get to glory, we'll find out all about it. Most don't even know a little bit about it, about eternity and where sin will take them. 
You outside of Christ are afraid of your own heart. You don't ask God to search it out. When was the last time? And I talk to you who, who profess to know the Lord. I ask you a question. When was the last time you sat down before God and asked God to search out your heart and to judge your motives and your thoughts and intents? Why am I doing this? Why do I want this? Because you're afraid of your heart. You're afraid that God's going to tell you, no, you can't do that. Then you're going to work it where you can make it right in your eyes before God and go on. The Word of God says that men do not come to the light because their deeds are evil. Because their deeds will be reproved. But one day you must come. And one day you will face death. And one day you will be brought upon his own sin. He cannot look upon God without knowing he was a sinner. I'll show it to you. Illustrated in Isaiah 6. In the king that in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings, with twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. And Isaiah said, The post, the door, post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. What happened? And Isaiah said, Was me? For I am undone, because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King of the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from off the altar, and laid upon my mouth. Be no hope like that in hell. But, but a, a, a knowledge of the Holy One can only bring the knowledge of my sins. That's the reason God must come in his power to reveal unto us his holiness, to cause us to desire to, to repent and to flee from sin and to flee from the world. Every soul outside of Christ will suffer in that future state in that world because they're sinners. There will be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth only because the sinful creature will be compelled to look at himself, to know his sin in the manner that it is known by the infinite Holy One, the God of the universe. What do we know about hell? What do we know about the lake of fire? Who every Christ rejected shall spend eternity because of their sins against the holy and righteous God of whom it is written, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, and whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Beloved, the 
cannot spurn his love forever. In hope to get to glory, we must bow to his scepter. We must bend our knees. Our hearts must be broken before him. We must come as lost sinners, without hope and without God. See in the deadness of our own selves. See in the utter ruin of ourselves before God. See in that we are without hope and without God. Then see Pray, God by faith to the loving God has provided salvation to his son. That wrath that should have been poured out upon me in that day of judgment was poured out upon him. To answer the question, what do we know about hell? The answer can only come from the holy word of God. The inspired scriptures that were written in heaven, of which God himself said, I have magnified my word above my name. These words cannot be broken because he said again, till heaven and earth shall pass away. One jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. What do we know about hell? The word of God tells us. And hell is the place of pun everlasting punishment and banishment from, the, from God's presence. The future dwelling place of all who have neglected God and obeyed the, disobeyed the gospel of Christ. Hell is the sphere of the manifestation of the wrath to come from which Christ delivers the believer. For he tells us in 1 Thessalonians 1.10, that we have been delivered from the wrath to come. Hell is to be cast and out of the presence of Christ, to be cursed, to be cast with eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels, and to be eternally punished. I started to preface my message this morning with a question. And I'll question it now. Deep down in your heart, do you believe the teaching of God's word on hell and eternal punishment? That's a good question. Have you ever thought about it? Do you believe what the Word of God teaches concerning the eternal destiny of the wicked and the lost without hope and without God? Do we act accordingly? A lot of heart searching this week with my heart. I never will forget. I was preaching on this subject over the radio. When I was still in Litchfield, I had a man write me, been coming to church, never come back again. 
He said, if you really believed what you preached, you'd be out on the streets of Litchfield every day and every night confronting every soul that you find. If you really believe that. But you don't believe it. But you're preaching. What do you know about hell? Second Thessalonians 1, And to you who are troubled with us, when the Lord shall, Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power, from which there is no escape. Then there's that verse of scripture in Psalms 9 and verse 17. The wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. Beloved, if we do not know God in Christ, we've left him out of everything. He's not in our thoughts or our way or our will. God said, to be turned into hell. And what would you do with this one? In Psalm chapter 7, God judges the righteous. And God is angry with the wicked every day. If he turn not, he will wet his sword. He hath bent his bow and made it ready. He hath also prepared for him the instruments of death. He ordaineth his arrows against the persecutors. We never know what instrument of death God is going to use. JFK Jr. did have no more idea when he took off from Long Island in that plane that he that 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 instrument that plane he had learned to, to pilot was going to be the the instrument that God was going to use to take him in eternity. Those people in Atlanta that were killed the other day by this madman, they had no idea that that particular day a bullet was going to end them and they were going off into eternity. We do not know the instrument when it's going to be. We all have the idea we're going to live forever. Don't kid me. I know. I'm 76 this month. I know I'm going to die, but I really believe I'm going to live. For how long, I don't know. But there's an instinct in us. We want to live. But how are we going to live? Are we going to live in Christ? But the instrument of death is ready and waiting. The Word of God says that the body shall suffer in hell. The Word of God says that the soul shall suffer in hell. The Word of God says that the punishment of hell is eternal.
in Isaiah 33, 14, we have these words. <clears throat> the sinners in Zion are afraid. Trembling has seized <clears throat> the godless ones. They cry. Who among us can dwell with that devouring fire? Who among us can dwell with those everlasting burning? And no man will be able to stand there. <clears throat> God did not keep the body of those in hell that be gone forever. I can go on. Hell is described as a darkened prison. It's described as outer darkness. It's described as a place of weeping and wailing and gnashing. But I think the one and the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seat of the beast and his kingdom was full of darkness and they gnawed their tongues for pain and blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores and repented not of their deeds. So repentance Again, in, I was in Revelation 16, in Revelation 9. And the rest of the men which were not cured with these plagues yet repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood, which neither can see nor hear nor walk, neither repented they of their murders nor of their sorcerers, nor of their fornication, nor of their theft. There'll be no repentance in hell. And then that one little expression in our Lord's words in Luke 16. rich man had cried to Abraham and asked him to let Lazarus come and dip his finger in water and cool his tongue for he was tormented in his flesh. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thou good things and Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted and thou art tormented. And beside all us and you, there's a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. The fixed place. <clears throat> the place where we're going to have to spend eternity without hope and without God. Thinking along that line, the future state is the final state. Therefore, all questions will be settled and all doubts will be resolved. As we've trying, been trying to bring out, the future state is a conscious state. The human spirit, be it holy or sinful, 
a friend or an enemy of God in eternity will always and forever be aware of it. If it be holy in Christ, it will always be conscious of the fact that it's in Christ. If it be sinful, it cannot for an instant lose the distressing consciousness of sin. Therefore, the blessing is unceasing in heaven and the misery unceasing in hell. The future state is one of uniform type of experience for an individual soul in eternity. That soul is either uninterruptibly happy or uninterruptibly miserable because it has either an uninterrupted sense of God's holiness and it enjoys it. There is an uninterrupted sense of sin. For Revelation 22.11 tells us he that is righteous let him be righteous still, and he will know it continually. And he that is filthy shall be filthy still, and he shall know it continually. Beloved, eternity will hold us where death finds us. If death finds us in Christ, eternity will hold us in Christ forever and ever. If death finds us outside of Christ, eternity will hold us in that state of damnation and misery forever and forever. I've pictured it to you before and I'll picture it to you again before I try to apply this. I understand of hell and eternity. Is that the thing that's going to cause the most misery and the thing that will cause the man to reflect and hate God more? He never learned to love the holiness of God upon earth. Now he must look at this holy God. Because God inhabits eternity. And everywhere he looks in eternity, there's God. Down here, he had a diversion. He had his TV. Or his computer. Or he had his pleasure. He had his sports, or whatever you want to call it. He could go and come as he pleased. Do what he wanted to do. He had a diversion. He could drown himself in drink and work until he couldn't work anymore and then drop in bed to go right to sleep and not have to think about it and then get up in the morning and do it all over again. He had a diversion. But in eternity for the unsaved, there will be no diversion. The only view they will have will be an open an unavoidable view of God. A view that they never delight, delighted in while they were here upon earth. They loathed it. They were miserable to be in the presence of a holy and righteous God. They didn't come to him and pray to him and cry after him and love him. They didn't pray for holiness and righteousness of life. 
here now. Without hope and without God, they must look upon this God whom they never learned to love. And now all they see is this holy God as Isaiah saw this holy one lifted up high. For a day, or a week, or a month, or a year. But the rapture, his eyes are seeing that holy God. And the more he sees that holy God, the more he curses him in his heart. The more bitterness comes out, hatred comes out. The more he sins, the more he's punished. And he can't help sinning. For he's in a place where there's no hope. And all he can see is a holy God. Oh, my friend, I ask you this morning, have you ever had a glimpse by the, by, from the word of God, by the Holy Spirit, of this God who is holy, who hates sin, who delights in our coming to him and confessing him and laying him at his feet? Have you come to him, waiting upon him, uh, understanding that the knowledge without going to going out into eternity without a knowledge of Christ to just right on the other side of the tomb. In hell. I just I can I just can imagine that they were all gathered around this rich man's caskets and they were talking about oh he died with a smile on his face he, he must be in heaven he's, a, he's better off now how many times have I heard that they've gone to a better place now they lived like the devil while they were down here they haven't had a thought of God and all the time in hell I tell you this morning, if you would think upon these things we tried to preach on this morning, and you just would take yourself by the grace of God, and just go someplace today, someplace, get along with God. about it now. I tell you, if you look off into the futures we tried to look this morning and you thought upon these things, this would sober you like death itself. You would stop in your tracks this morning 
and say to yourself, when I die, I shall enter into the light of God's countenance and obtain a knowledge of my own self that I never had before. How can I rest in this state and not come to God? Here I come, Lord. I come with all of my sins and all of my rebellion, all of my ideas and all of my desires and all of my wants. And I lay them at your feet. I don't want them. I don't want my way. Many times have I cried to that to God. I don't want my way. I want yours. I don't want to go out and meet you except I meet you in Christ. That you would not rest until you had an assurance that you were in Christ. An assurance of the divine mercy of God upon you and ever dying. Lord, I'm coming to you. Have thine own way. Have thine own way. I'm coming to you. Then while you're thinking upon sin, and what you deserve because of sin, I would invite you this morning by the grace of God to go to another place. That is, to sit down at the foot of the cross and gaze upon him who hangs or hung on that middle cross. Look up. That love don't break your heart. If those eyes don't pierce your soul. If that blood streaming down because he was dying in my place. And because he loved me. He loved me. Praise God when it comes to my soul. He loves me. My God loves me. My God loves me in Christ. Nothing will break the heart more than to sit down before God. Look at Christ crucified. Look at Christ dying. Look at the wrath of God that should be mine in hell in eternity being poured out upon that form of of the living God, our blessed Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the God-man to whom our sins have been imputed. And I cry like the poor thief did. Lord, remember me when thou comest to thy I don't deserve the least of your mercies, Lord. I don't deserve them. But I come begging you. 
discussed the youth one. Look into the youth one. Not because you said that you were lifted up for my offenses and raised again for my justification. And that God was in you, reconciling the world and in himself. Not imputing my trespasses unto me, but unto you. For you were made sin for me, who knew no sin. That I might be made the righteousness of God in you. So I lay down my life. I don't want it. I don't want it. Beloved, all I could do this morning is to shoot myself out of a cannon at you. That's the way I have felt. I could just, by the grace of God, he'd be upon us. Stop each and every heart to think along these lines this morning. Because God sent you here. I prayed for you to come. And you came. Think of what it is to go out to meet God without hope in your sin. Think of what it means to close in with Jesus Christ without him to say, I love you. I love you. I love you. Ask any child of God who's ever been there. Has God ever spoke to your soul out of his word and told you, I love you. And to hear those blessed words. Go thy way. Thy sins are forgiven thee. No more, they no longer They were imputed to them. The Lord Jesus Christ. And now I have his righteousness. Go thy way. Thy sins have been forgiven. You're mine. Lord, with the price of my own precious. Never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll be with you. But to him. 